Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. We can be pretty hard on ourselves when things don't go as planned. Guilt, shame, and fear of being seen as a failure can leave us wallowing in the pig pen, so to speak. Our delusions of a perfectible life keep us disappointed in ourselves. The truth is, life is a big risk every single day, and facing whatever each day holds is not only good enough, but worthy of love and grace. In our message of the week, Pastor Jen Tyler shares the story of the prodigal son from Luke 15 and how he had grand things planned for his life. And even after that plan was a failure, he was met with extravagant love and grace. Here is the First Church message of the week. as you can see with our Good Enough Sermon Series. Um, I'm glad it says good enough, but to be honest, I thought that it was pretty appropriate before that it said God enough, wasn't it? Uh, so as so, I think that's a great illustration that we didn't mean about how sometimes maybe our mistakes work out for the best, and there is grace in that for all of us. And so tonight, that's a little what we're going to talk about is what it looks like and feels like and uh, looks and is like to have a little more grace for ourselves. As we jump into that, won't you say a prayer with me? Lord God, we ask that you would open our ears so that we might hear you more clearly in this time as we listen for your voice and hear your word. God, may you open our eyes that we might see you more clearly and our hearts that we might love you more deeply as you rid us from any and all distractions so that all that we see and hear and know and feel and speak are of you. Amen. So some of you might know this. Uh, One of, as a person who long before I was a pastor started volunteering in the church when I was in high school, one of the most fun and exhausting weeks of the year is vacation Bible school. Right? And as much as uh, work as always goes into it, though, it is always worth it because of how much our kids always love it. Uh, So much so that if you remember last year, we even agreed to let them slime us at the end. And I have to tell you, it was legitimately disgusting. And it's maybe a strange time of year to be talking about Vacation Bible School and whether it's because I'm really ready for spring and summer to get here or because this entire theme of good enough reminds me a bit of the ways that all are truly welcomed in a week like Vacation Bible School. The truth is I was thinking about it this week in part because of that radical love that kids love to share with each other. There is nothing as no one as loving and forgiving and grace-filled as small children who have no boundaries. And a couple of years ago, as I was thinking about it this week, I was reminded of a story how a few years ago when I was helping with Vacation Bible School as a pastor at a different church, I remember standing in the back watching everybody as we started on the first night. And as always, we started with music and there were actions and there were dancing and none of the kids knew them yet. And I remember wondering if some of the children, especially the ones we didn't know that didn't know each other, were overwhelmed 
being surrounded by strangers. And in part, I wondered this because there was a little girl in the back that I noticed who was standing there who looked a little sad and unsure if she even wanted to be there at all. And so I did my best. I walked up next to her and I tried to engage her and I made a fool of myself trying to do all the dance moves. And I did everything I knew how to do to try and engage her and get her to join in. And I got to tell you, she was not having it. After less than a minute of my miserably failing attempts, I saw a little hand come up from the row behind us. And the little girl behind us reached up and tapped on her shoulder and said, do you need a friend? And there was this sad, teary-eyed little girl that wouldn't even look at me, let alone dance with me. And she just nodded her head and quietly said yes. And then just like that, I was all but pushed out of the way. And the girl behind me took my spot as they sang and danced and played together in a way that I couldn't make up if I tried. And all I could think was, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. It looks like people coming together, strangers seeing one another's needs and stepping up to meet them where they are. Not to say, why don't you come with me, but let me come to you and be your friend. Sometimes, I think, it looks like confidence that in Jesus, we are all able to be friends in this way. That through Jesus, we know that we are all equals, that we are all loved, and there should be no boundary that sets us apart. Sometimes the kingdom of God looks like knowing that no matter who we are or who we know or what we have done or what we have left undone, we are beloved and worthy and welcome. The kingdom of God looks like the assurance to know and share the good news that truly you are good enough, crooked letters and all. And it is good enough because the kingdom of God invites us to live into the grace and the kindness that Jesus offered us first and to share that with all that we meet. And today's scripture lesson that I want to read for us is a reminder of these truths. It is a reminder that God loves you and journeys with you and walks alongside you and wants to be your friend. It is a story known to many of us as the story of the prodigal son. I'm going to read this story from Luke chapter 15. The words are on the screens before us if you want to follow along. Jesus said a certain man had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, forgive me. Father, give me my share of the inheritance. Then the father divided his estate between them. Soon afterward, the younger son gathered everything together and took a trip and a land far away. There he wasted his wealth through the extravagant living. When he had used up his resources, a severe food shortage arose in that country and he began to be in need. He hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from what the pigs ate, 
But no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food? But I'm starving to death. I will get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Take me on as one of your hired hands. And so he got up and went to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion. His father ran to him, hugged him, and kissed him. Then his son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Fetched the fattened calf and slaughter it. We must celebrate with feasting because the son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. Coming in from the field, he approached the house and heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what was going on. The servant replied, your brother has arrived and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he received his son back safe and sound. Then the older son was furious and didn't want to enter in. But his father came out and begged him. He answered his father, look, I've served you all these years and I never disobeyed your instruction. Yet you've never given me as much as a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours returned, after gobbling up your estate on prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Then his father said, son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Here ends our reading today. My guess is that this story is familiar to many of us. If not because you've read this story in scripture before, because you know this story from part of your own lives or in the lives of those we love. Because it is a story of what it is to have broken or distant relationships. A story of feeling abandoned by those that we love, as they move on for seemingly better things. Maybe you've been on the other side of that story too, when we chase our dreams or we run away towards what we hope and pray will lead to a better life, but then things just don't work out how we thought they would. Relationships are hard. Worldly promises are feeble. The things that we were working toward, that we were so sure that we were qualified for, feel out of reach. And 
that's not even talking about some of the ways that sometimes these things, if we're honest, are our own fault, or our own wounds self-inflicted. I mean, that was certainly true in this story, wasn't it? The prodigal son's sins of being selfish and caring only about himself, only about the present moment, these things distance him from others, whether he means it to or not. He throws out all he once knew for the hope of this longed-for glamorous life on that greener side of the fence. And as he does so, he asks for the unimaginable, as he asks for his inheritance from his father right here and now. Saying to his father what surely felt like, well, maybe he'd rather have his father dead if it meant that he could have the property that he felt was owed to him. These were awful and terrible and hurtful things that he did before he left his family of origin to go out into the world, presumably never intending to return. The world, by the way, that he went out to, they didn't care for him or live up to what he hoped of or dreamt of, but instead they left him feeling isolated and lonely and hungry and helpless, literally going from a life where all was provided to a life where he wished that he was cared for the way the pigs were. It was a pretty tough place to be in. What was probably his rock bottom as he decided that it was time to take a different kind of risk and to change direction, to take a risk that meant he had to do the very, very difficult thing of swallowing his pride and humbly asking for forgiveness even amidst his own certainty that his life wasn't going to be perfect or grand, he knew that he had to ask for forgiveness and repent of what he had done wrong because he knew that that was his best chance of being rescued from this lonely, miserable life of suffering. And so he went. He went up to his father and confessed to him those words that I can't imagine how hard they must have been. He says to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I no longer deserve to be called your son. Take me on, not as your son, he says, but take me on as one of your hired hands. He had come to see himself so lowly that he wanted to become his father's hired hand. Meanwhile, back at the farm, he had no idea that his father never stopped loving him. He never stopped offering him the grace that he didn't seem able to offer himself. Has anybody ever been there? Right, when we are so lost and alone that you are sure that no one could forgive you for what you've done. No one could embrace you or love you if they knew the whole truth. If you've ever thought that or felt that way, then you are a bit like this son who is really wrong because the truth is you are loved beyond measure and there is grace beyond reason. You are enough. 
And this is hard for us to comprehend, isn't it? Especially when we're the ones feeling lost or alone or unworthy. But I imagine a lot of us here, not only have we felt that, but maybe we've been on the other side too. When we're longing for someone to just say, I'm sorry, and come back. To just reappear so that that which was lost can now be found. It was nine years ago now, but I'll never forget the tone in my mother's voice when she called to tell me that my nephew, her only grandchild at the time, had gone missing. Now, by the time I got this phone call, there was a happy ending and he had been found. But she was no less shaken. My nephew, Quentin, was all of three years old at the time, and he loved visiting grandma and grandpa and having overnights. He loved uh, getting to stay the night in his own big boy toddler bed in their room next to theirs. And on this particular morning, after Quentin had stayed the night, she got up bright and early, as she always does. And before she went to make her coffee, she did what she always did, and she snuck a little peek in the room to check on him. Only when she did that, she discovered he wasn't there. Can you imagine that feeling of panic? Now, there are a few things to know about Quentin. Uh, He was a typical three-year-old, and it was summertime, and he loved to run and play and do the unexpected and was very hyperactive because he was three. He also really loves water and would play in the water 24 hours a day if you let him, which might be cute if you didn't live on a lake. But when you live on a lake, that's scary. So frantically knowing this, my mother searched the house, even the yard, looking for him, thinking about how she didn't think he could open the door to get outside, but he is getting bigger and wiser every day, and that could have changed, and you can see where that panic cycle goes, right? As panic washed over her, she imagined what she was going to say when she had to call and tell my sister, I can't find him. I mean, he wasn't even three yet. How far could he have gone? They took a full 20 minutes to search for him, which might not sound long, but if you've ever been in that situation, it felt like three days. Eventually, she went and picked up the phone, went to sit on the couch as tears ran down her face. And she began to dial my sister's number when she picked up the blanket on the couch to sit down only to discover that her favorite toddler was curled up underneath it. And in that moment, what she had lost had been found. And while if she would have found him in minute one of the search, he might have gotten in trouble for getting out of bed, the truth is she wasn't even mad anymore because she was so relieved. And all she could think about was the celebration they would have because he was okay. He was home, he was safe, and that which was lost had been found. Those 20 minutes changed their lives and their perspective on everything. Because that truly is the greatest kind of gift, isn't it? When the life of someone that we love is able to draw near to us. Sometimes I think that's hard 
to remember, especially in the moments when we feel alone or like we're so deep in the darkness that light isn't going to be able to find us. And it's in those moments of darkness or loneliness or fear that we're sure we can't be rescued. But friends, that is when Jesus shows up for us in unexpected ways. Ways like when a stranger taps you on the shoulder from behind to say, do you need a friend? Jesus is like that little girl who's your friend longing to be at your side. In the same way, friends, part of why we gather and worship is because you are surrounded by friends and community who longs to be at your side too. And so if you haven't yet, I hope now or throughout the service or before you go, take a moment to look around and see these people around you. You might not even know the names of the people sitting next to you, but I promise you, if this is your first time here or your first time here today, because I know for some people, they were here this morning for a meeting too, you are beloved. You are beloved. And there is grace enough for you. Here you have a friend in Jesus and a friend in the community of First Church because part of the gift of being community together is that we also have the privilege of holding one another up even in the most difficult of times to offer each other grace when we need it most, to be reminded that when we are lonely or afraid or unsure of where to turn, in Jesus, there will always be a place for you. Always. And more than that, we know that there is grace enough for you because we are called to live into, lean into, embrace, and share this with others in moments when we need it, whether we are worried or struggling or feeling powerless or afraid, or if you're having the best day of your life, there is grace enough for you. And that is part of why we gather here each and every week, showing up for one another, so that we might know this day and always that we are not alone, and that really, truly, we see you as God sees you, as good enough, just as you are. Because if Jesus wants to stand by your side, and he does, then so too do we, if you'll let us. So friends, come home. Let us share that love and grace with one another. And may we know that that love we share is good enough for all of us. Let's pray together. God of grace and mercy, who walks with us in our moments of feeling lost and our moments of longing, God, may we indeed know and embrace that you see us as good enough, offering us grace enough, and want us, oh God, to share these gifts with all we meet. Help us to live into these in the name of Jesus Christ, your son. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information on our church calendar, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.